Welcome to the Real Estate Asset Management Podcast brought to you by Break of Day Capital. The show focuses on educating syndicators and apartment owners on how to build systems and manage their properties more efficiently to become a best-in-class operator. 100% straight talk. Let's jump in. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Asset Management Podcast. I'm your host, Gary Lipsky with Break of Day Capital. This podcast is focused on educating operators, building better systems, and becoming a best-in-class operator. Be sure to join our Facebook group, Asset Management Mastery, where we have a great community of thousands of like-minded individuals sharing resources and best practices. Choosing the right insurance coverage for multifamily properties isn't that complicated, if you know who to talk to. At the Garzella Group, we're uniquely qualified to help you navigate the range of policy choices you have, and we're committed to saving you 30% in the process. We do intensive market research and have nationwide relationships, so we can find coverage other insurance brokers simply can't. We should talk. Go to quotenow.biz, and we'll start the conversation. Today on the podcast, we have Andrew Ribczynski. Welcome, Andrew. Thanks, Gary. Glad Can you start here. by telling the listeners a little bit more about yourself and what you do? Sure. So I'm a uh, managed consultant at uh, CoStar Advisory Services. We are built on top of CoStar, which is the largest data provider for commercial real estate in the U.S. We use that data to advise institutional clients, banks, pension funds, REITs, hedge funds on investment in commercial real estate, where to do it and what types are outperforming right now or we expect to outperform in the future, I should say. So that's generally just of it. And most of, well, just about everyone I work with is an institutional uh, institutional investor. I'm excited to have you. We had you on a webinar about a year ago and you shared a ton of great information. So let's jump in and talk about differences in regional and market type performance. Sure. What are you seeing out there? Well, the number one thing that we kind of always harp on, and it shouldn't be any surprise to anyone, is that a lot of these Southern and Mountain West markets have outperformed the last 10, 15 years, and we expect that to continue. Now, we think a lot of that is governance. One easy thing to point to is the tax cost. The way that those markets, I'm talking about Austin or Orlando, the way that they're structured in terms of their tax costs, it tends to be lower for businesses. Now, this also creates lower costs for a lot of people moving there, but we do think that the main drivers is, is going to be business costs because as they look at those markets and they see, okay, we can get cheaper rent, we can get pay people less, and we're paying less in taxes, we want to move there. And that movement creates a virtuous cycle that draws more people into the market. The more people are in the market, the more attractive it is for those employers. So a lot of those southern and western markets are essentially playing a zero-sum game against some other uh, areas of the country and taking market share. I invest uh, heavily in Phoenix and Tucson and, and Arizona at the end of, I guess it was 2008 when they got you know killed with the recession, they really made a conscious effort to be much more business friendly. And I mean, it's a world of difference. You know, they're much more diverse, tons of people moving in there, tremendous cap rate compression. And I mean, the rent growth, depending upon what you read in Phoenix in the last year has been over 20%, which is absurd. That would be one of our reports. Well, I should say 20% since the start of 2020, but because it dipped a little bit, it's, yeah, it's probably around 20%. <laughs> it's an enormous change. And a lot of the markets across the country have experienced their highest rent change since we've been tracking it this year. But 
despite that, you know, despite 10% growth in some core metros, you've still got the, the growth metros outperforming them at numbers like 15 and 20. So where does it go from here? Because, you know, eventually the rents can't keep going up like this, but I'm seeing, you know, underwriting reports, people are being super aggressive and I'm much more conservative. Where do you think you should put, you know, rent growth and how much longer can this continue? So let's back up and look at demand first. Demand this year has been extraordinary. CoStar's projecting 650,000 units absorbed in 2021 versus 350,000 and 320,000 last year and the year before. Those are big numbers. Where did that demand come from? So I generally look to three instances. So the first, the smallest would be seniors. We know that if we look at senior living REITs, they took a hard hit on occupancy. So I think that a lot of seniors backed out of moving into communities like that, stayed put in either their homes or their apartment units. And that helped juice demand by basically slowing that that shift into senior living. Now, that's probably the smallest impact. Uh, number two, I would look at evictions. The Princeton Eviction Lab maintains a data series that unfortunately only goes through 2016, but it's pretty consistent every year from 2010 to 2016. Over half a million evictions every year uh, occur every year. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that every eviction is a negative absorption. A lot of times, it'll be a one-for-one net zero, and they'll move into a they'll move into another apartment. But in a lot of other instances, I would expect that to be moving, basically doubling up, moving into a either a roommate situation, parents if they're younger, or constraining themselves, get, maybe getting two households into one. So those the lack of evictions is definitely pushing this up. And then lastly, you have to look at stimulus. Prior to the pandemic, or the month before the pandemic, personal income for the US uh, was something like $1.4 billion. In March of this year, it I believe it would have been close to or just shy of two billion. The stimulus money made a real, real difference in total income flowing into households. And I do think that that helped juice demand. So frankly, as all three of those pull back, you can expect demand to at least come back to normal. Getting back to rent. <laughs> That's certainly why our rent forecast is much more conservative going forward, because as you said, we just can't expect this level of rent. Choosing the right insurance coverage for multifamily properties isn't that complicated, if you know who to talk to. At the Garzella Group, we're uniquely qualified to help you navigate the range of policy choices you have, and we're committed to saving you 30% in the process. We do intensive market research and have nationwide relationships, so we can find coverage other insurance brokers simply can't. We should talk. Go to quotenow.biz, and we'll start the conversation. So a city like Phoenix... You know, that has experienced 20%. I mean, what would you project? What is CoStar projecting over the next few years for rent growth there? Off the top of my head, I believe the compounded rent growth that we have for Phoenix out to 2025 would be in the 6 to 7% range. That includes a lot of the year over year growth that's going to come in the latter half of this year. So that's probably a little aggressive. If you were to come at it from, say, like 2022 forward, or yeah, let's say 2023 forward. It would be a lot lower. I would guess it's more in the four range. So yeah, three and a half to four and a half range. Would be so six to seven percent the next one or two years, then dip down to about three or four. Yeah, well, actually, so the next one to two years, just because of the yeah. insane rent growth that we've seen, I mean, right. the next one year would be like ten percent. Right? Got it. <laughs> and you mentioned uh, evictions. Now you know there's a potential wave of evictions, and we've been you know talking about this for you know a year and a half because of the CDC, how is that going to affect, you know, are we going to see just a tremendous amount of evictions and, 
now vacancy will increase. What do you think about that? It's completely dependent. It's going to be very dependent on your local government. So, you know, many states have their own eviction moratoria in place in addition to the federal one. New York is a good example. New York, obviously, being one of the more, let's say, tenant-friendly states in the union. So those areas, they could potentially extend their moratoria out well beyond what the federal one would be. Moreover, some locales are more friendly to evictions in the first place. So yes, coming off a base of zero, you're going to get an increase. And you use the phrase wave, the media is tending to say tsunami, right? But the, the potential tsunami, right, is not going to be as let's say, marked or peaked, as some people might predict. It'll be a little slower than that. It might have some hard hits in some particular metros at the outset. And yeah, it'll impact vacancy. I mean, vacancy right now is incredibly low, almost you know, unexpectedly low. So uh, at a minimum, you would expect it to get closer to normal. You know, at our properties, we're basically at 100%. When, when we walk comps, trying to check out the apartment buildings that we're interested in buying, you know, they're right next door or, you know, down the street and we can't get into any of them because they're hundred percent occupied and they might have something available in a month or six weeks from now. So yeah, in Phoenix and Tucson where we're doing deals, it's, you know, minuscule vacancy. Yeah. You're finding that's the case in many, many locations. And so you would expect that, as I said, the waning of stimulus money will probably affect that as will most likely changing governance on evictions. So we've seen a tremendous amount of cap rate compression. You know, what do you see going forward, given, you know, where interest rates may go and how that affects this, you know, tremendous amount of capital all chasing the same deals? Yeah. So I'm not really afraid of cap rates at their current level. The Federal Reserve has gotten pretty heavily involved in bond rates recently. Moving into, you know, actual purchase of bonds was unprecedented and it helped drive down rates everywhere. So To the extent that that's an artificial environment, you would expect cap rate rises as bond rates come back up. Now, where I think there's still room, though, is the spread or really the premium. Well, when we look at history, we find that, okay, the spread is one thing, right? Cap rates minus triple Bs is on average three and a half percent percentage point, something like that. But what I think is more telling and more important is the premium, you know, the cap rate divided by the triple B. And when we look back historically, we're at it an extreme high right now. Well, we're just off of an extreme high. Q1 was an extreme high. It was, you were getting, unfortunately, I can't recall the exact number, but I promise you it was the highest multiple on cap rates versus triple Bs that we have in our history. That means that there's room for triple Bs to come up without them heavily impacting cap rates. So while I'm not calling for, I'm, we wouldn't expect cap rates to fall forever, we don't anticipate a ton of upward pressure. Yeah, I fully agree. I'm very bullish on the markets right now. And I know you know, talk to some investors that have been waiting for, you know, five, six years for the cap rates to go back up to eight, nine, ten. And I'm like, those days are long gone. You know, there's so much foreign money chasing deals, you know, here in the US. People having money to place and uh, real estate, particularly multifamily, is the best risk-adjusted returns out there. So uh, it seems like a, a no-brainer. You know, cap rates aren't going to drastically rise or change much in, in the near future. Yeah. And to that extent, I would point to the correlation with the 10-year that, that cap rates have. So on a three-year or a five-year basis, it's not very strong. 10-year goes up, 10-year goes down, cap rates don't really. But on a long enough horizon, it starts to correlate very well. And so 10-year has been shifting down, you would expect cap rates to fall down are there any other trends in workforce housing that you're seeing that you know our listeners should know about? 
Well, workforce is tricky, right? Because we kind of spoke about this before the call started. It's not really getting built. I don't foresee that changing, especially not with construction costs where they are, or I should say input costs. And just as a side note, we don't expect those input costs to stay as elevated as they are. Certainly, we've already seen lumber come crashing down. But with elevated construction costs, you have to build higher rents is basically the, you know, the takeaway there. So workforce, we love it. We like it as an investment class if you're going into it, but building into it is very difficult. And that's part of the reason that we like it so much as an investment class is that it does not face the same supply pressures that uh, you get at the top of the market. Uh, when we look at rent growth uh, over the last eight, 10 years, you'll find that the top of the market does tend to underperform. And that's because that's where the supply hits. And you know, you mentioned where you're bullish on those southern states and some western smile states. Are there any cities that maybe people aren't talking about that you're very bullish on, or maybe other cities that a lot of people are talking about they're bullish on that you're bearish on? You know, something that is against the grain <laughs> potentially. It's hard to say. I don't listen to other people. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I think a lot of my favorite cities are kind of consensus calls, but uh, places like Austin, Charlotte, Raleigh, and Denver are smallish, but growing fast. And what's really important to me, or what I think is very important is the high educational team and that you get in those cities, because I think that's very attractive to, as I said, those businesses, which creates that virtuous cycle where you get increased population growth, and then you get the employers that say, hey, I need to tap the talent in this market. A great example is what happened with Amazon, where they were, they said, you know what, we've outgrown Seattle. We can't tap this market anymore. What's the next market that we need to tap? And they went to DC, which is a core market but is one of the fastest growing core markets, certainly. You know, and this is probably off topic, but when you read the reports, pretty much every city is claiming, oh, we're top 10 in tech jobs or, you know, the new tech hub, you know, Huntsville, all, all these different places. So you can always find a report for something like that. And how do you kind of decipher what is actual and what's not? Because all these different tech hubs are forming, but yet is it just a massive, you know, brain drip from other places or what's going on? Well, that is a good question. Is it kind of a drip from other places? Because if you look at San Francisco, you're virtually on the verge of saying, okay, San Francisco's full. You know, there's space to build. They could build there, but they don't let you build. So you've probably got people moving outward. But that said, certainly I would expect the cost of living and moreover the cost of business to be a big driver of why you've got tech hubs popping up in some other places. And some of it, you know, you mentioned every city's got their little list where they're like, we're the top 10 this, we're the top 10 that. It's true. There's a lot of marketing in it. But behind that, there are some real places that are popping up. And those markets that I mentioned are real, especially Austin. You saw Apple move in there. But uh, if you are interested in getting to that data, it's out there. You have to go in and you have to look at the next codes and you have to classify them based on your understanding what is tech and what is not tech. But you can find that growth and you can identify those professions that are tech and you can identify in what markets they're growing. I don't have it offhand, unfortunately. I mean, I know it's somewhere in our data, but I promise you, Austin is not fake. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the cities you mentioned, yeah, I've seen tremendous growth. Definitely interested in investing in those markets as well. But our time is uh, running out. And Andrew, I really appreciate you coming on the show and adding a ton of value on the current state of the market. And we talked about rent growth and cap rates and tremendous amount of absorption of units and lack of building still multifamily. There's still such a tremendous lack of supply. So thank you so much. Please tell the listeners where they can find out more about you. Sure. CoStar.com is, of course, a major hub for commercial real estate data. You know, CoStar does offer subscriptions for access at the market level, at the national level. 
And of course, if you're very interested, CoStar Advisory Services is an additional uh, service on that. All right. Thanks so much to all of our listeners out there. Thanks for listening in. And if you like this episode, please head over to iTunes and Stitcher and like, subscribe and review this podcast as it will help us grow our audience and reach more people. We will talk to you next week. Have a great one. Hey, everyone. If you like what you hear on my podcast and want to learn more, check out my Amazon best-selling book, Best in Class, How to Manage Your Multifamily Asset, Avoid Mistakes, and Build Wealth Through Real Estate. And if you want to take your learning to a whole nother level, register for my asset management course available on assetmanagementmastery.com. I'll share all the things that we do and many of our resources to help you become a best-in-class operator. Go to assetmanagementmastery.com and step up your game today.